We're in the series, The Purpose of Power. And I want to encourage us as we continue on, I want to remind us just for a moment that where we've been and where we're, we still have a long way to go in this, in that the first thing we recognize was that the Holy Spirit ministers to us personally. Like, He's the one that causes us to be born again. He, he rebirths our spirit. And we looked at this word spirit and we found out it's a real scary word because it's been, what's been demonstrated or what's been said, it really means just a wind, the breath of God. It breathes fresh air, fresh life into our spirit. And it makes us to be born again. That's the, the first thing the Holy Spirit does. He comes into us. But then Jesus said, go and wait because he's going to come on you, which was a different experience. So salvation is the first thing he does. He, he draws us and he welcomes us to himself. And that is only done through Jesus himself. What we were celebrating, you can't say thank you, Jesus, enough. Like there is no way you can say thank you, Jesus, unless maybe you weren't quite as bad as I was. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're just, you know, you just were too good and. Oh, I'd had a little small thing I did. Uh, mine was big. You know, Jesus said he who's forgiven much, loves much. Maybe you hadn't been forgiven enough to love, and, and I'm not saying go do some more to get forgiven. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, I got to go do something, now I'll be forgiven. That's not how that works. Be thankful for all he's done and for the life that he's given me, his own life, so that I can have life. And then we looked at the, the whole thing of that we've got to, that that's something Jesus does for us that I have no... My part, all I can do is trust him. That you did it, I trust you, I receive it, and by faith I get to walk in this new life. The second thing is we do have to walk in is we do have to, to, to follow the Lord in baptism. And we said that's an expression of our faith um, where we say, I want to be like you, Jesus. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to go in the water of baptism and I'm going to walk in newness of life and I'm going to walk after you. So that is a, a release of the old man and a walking in the new life. And so that's something we do do. That's where we have to say, hey, um, I want to go public with my private decision. And that's what all of us at some point, Jesus wants you to say, I belong to him, everybody. I am excited. And we tell everybody around. And so we do that through baptism. And then Jesus said there's this Holy, his Holy Spirit, that the very nature, the nature of God, the life of God, is found in this breath of God. And so we're going we're gonna to look this morning at the, uh, the, in Acts 1-8 where Jesus promises, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We know here just by that, the purpose of that power was to testify, to witness to what Jesus had done. To witness that, hey, he was here. All of the Old Testament said he's coming. He showed up. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He paid for our sins. He, he provided new life for us. And now we get to receive that and walk in it. But he said also, he's going to leave. Because while he was here physically, he could only be in one place at one time. So when he told his disciples, I got to get out of here. The Holy Spirit's going to come and he, it's going to be incredible because I can only be in one place at one time, but he can be everywhere. He's, he's going to, right now, he told his disciples the last supper, he was with you, but he's going to be in you. And we looked at that in John chapter 20, where he breathed on them after he had been risen from the dead and they received him. But then it goes on and he says, I, I want you to experience that power to be witnesses. It wasn't power for me. 
It was power for me to make a difference in other people's lives. It wasn't for me to say, hey, look at me. It was for me to say, look at him. Look how good he is. He wants to minister his life to you so he can minister his life through you. And so that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Like what he was, what, what Jesus was saying, and I believe that in the church today, we like to cherry pick the gifts we like. And I'm talking about the capital C. We've been raised here by our pastor Meredith and Pastor Bill Ligon, who's done a tremendous job of sharing the gifts of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit operates. But we've got to continue in what he's called us to do. And many people are still, in the, they want to cherry pick. I'm not comfortable with certain gifts. And so this morning, I told you last week, we're going to start looking at the number one. And we're going to get to there. But before I go, I want you to see what gift means. It's charisma. That's what the word gift, it's where we get the word charismatic. And so I would say to you, uh, and everybody listening, every church in essence is a charismatic church. And I'm not saying that to put something on them or say, I am not, I'm, I'm, I'm this from that. I'm just saying that if you believe in the gifts of spirit and every church believes in certain gifts, like there's not a pastor I've ever heard that doesn't believe in the gift of giving. They're going to say, I like that gift. That's a good gift. I, I celebrate that. Thank you, Jesus. That's a good. Holy Spirit, pour it out, Lord. You don't ever hear one say, no, I don't, I don't like that one. I think it stopped. No. Also, the gift of mercy. You know, everybody loves the gift of mercy, especially when it's extended to you. We have a struggle when we got to extend it to somebody else. <laughs> but he, the, so there's many gifts that, that are, they think, and each one of these gifts, this charisma, this charismatic, this is what it means. A gift is a supernatural divine enablement. It's what the Holy Spirit supernaturally enables you and me to do. He gives us the ability to make a difference. That's what the Holy Spirit empowers us to be different so that we can make a difference. So, so it starts with us. He likes to come and minister. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He comes in, he breathes life on the inside. We're not, it's not us fake it till we make it. It's not, well, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do this and God. See, I'm doing, you know, it's a matter of saying, no, I receive from him. And then it's out of this love that he's already poured into me. I get to pour it back into him and to others. And you say, Mark, why is, why is this a big deal? Why are gifts so important? And I'll tell you, it's quite simply. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, But mark this. Mark it. There will be terrible times in the last days. we got to have the power because we can't accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in our own strength and our own ability. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit in order to make a difference in this world. And I'm telling you, the way things are going, how many of y'all know we need a little more power? I'm going to go, we got to turn up. Let's turn that up. And Jesus, I want to be used by you. Come do whatever you got. Now, what's happened is because of the misunderstanding of gifts, many times we're afraid of certain things. We've actually, different ones have been afraid of God. And I want to say to you, there is a there is a fear of the Lord that's an awe-inspiring, like the, the weightiness, like, 
the glory of God, this weight, this stuff's like, oh, he is so incredible. Like looking at the world around me and looking at all that he does, there's an awe of it, but not a fear. The fear, the fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom, but not the scared, like, oh. That's where, that's why um, Paul said, hey, told, told Timothy, he didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of love and a power and of a sound mind. And so in First Peter chapter 4, it says, God has given us gifts, given gifts to each of you. Everybody look at your neighbor. Don't say it loud because we don't want to spray anything. <laughs> on, on the camera, y'all can go ahead. Y'all clear. Y'all at home, you good. <laughs> look at your neighbor and say, he's given you a gift. That's right. He's given you a gift. You need to, you need to celebrate that. You need to know it and you need to celebrate it. You don't need to be afraid of it. You need to, there's, there's a number of things, but you need to know that he's given you gifts where from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And then he says, manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. In other words, be a good steward of what he gets you, what he gives you. Walk in it, celebrate it, use it. And he'll, other you'll begin to celebrate God through what you do. Now, there are at least 27 gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in the New Testament alone. And all of them are important. 27. If you go to, we're not going to go there this morning. We're not going to go to all through. I'm going to, I'm going to spare you. We're not going to all 27 this morning. Some of y'all say amen. Um, we'll be going over them a little bit in the weeks to come, but this morning, uh, if we were to look at these, you could find them in Romans chapter 12. You can find them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can find them in Ephesians chapter 4. You can find them in 1 Peter. They're, they're, they're uh, dispersed throughout. But this morning, like I told you last week, we're going to look at the one that's most controversial, and it shouldn't be. Because it's the most misunderstood and the most fearful. And I think just by saying that, many of you go, uh, let's see, would that be the gift of administration? No. Would it be the gift of faith? No, everybody loves faith. It's this little thing, the, the small little thing in our mouth is called the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues. We're gonna, we're gonna break this down a little bit this morning and, uh, and we're gonna take the scariness out of it. And I don't, and, and by the way, let me say, this is not a, this is not a, uh, a, a word that, hey, you better speak in tongues because there's been such an abuse on both ends. It's the most controversial. There, you've got, you've got those that have said, hey, tongues are of the devil. Where, like, like they take something, that, a gift of God, and say it's of the devil. And then you've got some on the other part that says, if you, the other way, the other extreme is if you don't speak in tongues, you don't get to go to heaven. And I'm like, hold it. If I don't speak in tongues, I don't get to go to heaven. And and if I do speak in tongues, I'm going to hell. I mean, there, there's a big stretch and a big chasm between the two. And I want to break that down just a little bit for us. Because there is a thing, a doctrine called cessation. And that's where uh, where a group of men have decided, they looked at it and said, yep, the, the gifts of the Spirit died out. Certain gifts, by the way, certain gifts. I'm going to let you guess which one got made the list certain ones got oh they ceased when the apostles died we don't need that anymore we don't know what that we're not doing that anymore we don't need to do it and it's nothing to be further from the truth the bible tongues are are given to us 
that we get to exercise a language to the Lord that is pure, it's incredible. And so I'm going to look at tongues real quick. There's four things, there's four kind of tongues that we're going to look at this morning. The first one is tongues for the unbeliever. Because a lot of people say, this is where they stop. Tongues are just for the unbeliever. And I'm like, we're going to look at it and say, no, that's, that's not exactly true. They are for the unbeliever, but that's not the only thing they're for. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Why? Because it is a thing of language. In Acts chapter 2, the one where the Holy Spirit's poured out, where, where we just celebrated last Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, and all of you learned that Pentecost Sunday was a day, it was celebrating actually a Jewish uh, festival. It was actually the giving of the Ten Commandments where 3,000 died on that day and 3,000 got born again when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So we celebrated Pentecost, meaning 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. And as we look at it, this is what happened in Acts chapter 2, 7 and 8. It says, utterly amazed when they heard them in their own language, it says, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Like, these are just Galileans. How, how do we hear it? And it says, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Now, this is a great... They're wondering, what's going on? I hear them, but I hear them in, in, my, in my native tongue. Now, let me say, because there's, there is a, a, a teaching that says, oh, that... They were speaking. They didn't know. Let me say, when they were filled with the Spirit and they were speaking another language, it was an unknown language to them. They had no clue what they were speaking. They were speaking as the Spirit gave utterance and there was no part where they said, oh yeah, I know Persian. I know the Mideast. I know all the different ones. I, they didn't know that. They were speaking, which tells me this. Oh, by the way, there were 120 of them that were there. There were 120 in the upper room. We find that in Acts 1. So there weren't 120 languages. So some were speaking. They weren't all speaking that, those languages. There, was more, there wasn't 120 languages there. But 120 people were speaking in that, which says it was in the hearing. That God, in His great understanding and His great wisdom and His great ability, He was able to cause everything they were saying. It's like, man, I, you're saying it and I'm catching it. I want to tell you, I experienced this a number of times, that exact tongue. I remember I was in Mexico on a mission trip. I went with a, a, a precious lady out of, in uh, Atlanta. And we, we, we went to this village. We'd go to these remote villages. We went to this one village. You have to drive by a pickup truck for about three and a half hours to get there on dirt roads bouncing. It, it, it was good. South Georgia, you know, South Georgia trained me well. I was like, let's go. Woo! Let's do it. And so... We get there and they're telling us on the way that, you know, this village, it's steeped in witchcraft and it's been hard to reach. And, and we're like, uh, uh, OK, I'm just praying and thankful like Jesus. Thank you. You want to change this village. So we get there and we start having a meeting. And one of the men that I had met years ago, I'm riding with him, Daniel, uh, who used to be an ex-gang member that God had got a hold of. Very influential man. Miss Helen Mann was our leader. And we get there. And Daniel's two children, he had a, uh, a 13-year-old and 11-year-old. It's a boy and a girl. And in the middle of the meeting, both of them lock hands, and they just start going it. They've never, that was the first time they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. That we were praying afterwards, and, and they just started going, 
And the, the dialect that they spoke in that village, they were going, they could hear everything that was going on. And they were calling out the witchcraft. They were calling out all of them saying, you need to turn to the Lord. And I'm telling you, they had a great revival in that village. It was incredible. Where I watched that happen, I was like, wow. I, I wasn't sitting there going, oh. I was going, whoo this is good wow i wasn't afraid when god gives us something it's not something to be afraid of god's not going to give us something we'll see in a minute he's not going to give us anything that would hurt us and so as a result tongues are for unbelievers also tongues are for interpretation there are tongues that are for interpretation and so if you look in first corinthians chapter 14 verse 5 is if Paul's writing, he said, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Like Paul's saying, hey, this is not something to be for. I want everyone. But then he goes on to say, but I would rather you prophesy. And it says the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. Why? So that the church may be edified. So it's a thing where where Paul's saying, look, hey, I want you to all have the gift. I want you to enjoy the gift. But he said, he said, look, the prophecy was greater. And let me say, that's not greater in stature. Like it was greater in use and purpose in that moment. It was much better in that, in that setting so that the whole church could be edified. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18 and 19. He says, I thank God. This is Paul, the writer of three quarters of the New Testament. The one that knew Old Testament backwards and forwards. You talk about a genius. That man knew the Bible backwards and forwards. He knew the original language. He knew Hebrew. He knew Greek. And he said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, I don't think he was bragging. I think what he was saying was, man, I am so thankful for this gift. I am so blessed by this gift. But he goes on to say, but but in the church. In a setting, in a church, he says, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, I just want to reverse that. I want to tell you, I got this language I shared with y'all last week. I, I can't, where the Lord baptized me because of the happy hunters. It was a happy day. It was actually happy the next morning. But I want to tell you, in the church, he said, I'd rather, I'd rather you speak five words instead of 10,000. I think outside the church, He'd be happy with 10,000 where he can just keep on praying in the spirit daily all day, 24 hours. Just keep. And I'm telling you, you can do that as well. I pray all day as I'm going about my day. I'm just literally engaging in the spirit and he gives me wisdom and insight. So this is where it's meant to be interpreted, that, that there's somebody there that would interpret the tongue, not just simply sharing something. Then the third tongue is the tongue for intercession. Like there's groanings that take place. That's in Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now let me ask you something. Anybody here ever been in a place in their life where you had no idea what to do? Like, like something was sprung on you, either by a decision you made or a decision somebody else made, where you had no clue what to do. And it's it was just overwhelming. And it says that, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, where there's a deep, like deep crying out to deep, like, I need you, Lord. It is a 
a, a, a intercession. And by the way, intercession, it's a bowing over where you've got the, the Spirit of God hovering. He's, he's making intercession. Right now, Jesus is in heaven. Right now, bowed over saying, Father, bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Even online, bless them. They need it. Lord, they need you. Lord, they need the Holy Spirit. Lord, pour it out on them. Lord, they need the strength. They need the wisdom. They need the courage. They need the ability. They need it. And, and so that's what intercession is. It's a bowing over. It's a, it's a, a, a looking over. The fourth one is, and probably the most used for a reason, is because it affects us so much. And that is a personal prayer life. So it's not that I need it interpreted. There are times where I do, but it says this in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue, what? Edifies themselves. You're like, why? Well, that sounds awful selfish. No, God's saying, look, I need you strong because you're going to face people that need what you have. And he wants us to be built up and he wants us to be strong. He said, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So he's saying that, hey, I want you built up in your most holy faith. It goes on in First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verse two, it says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Like they're, they're sharing and they don't even get it. So I'm telling you, the same way, this is where 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15, again in 1 Corinthians 14, but if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays and my mind is unfruitful. It's like I'm praying and there's my, my brain. And let me say this. This is, this is how beautiful God is. This is what he knew. God had to, he had to institute a system where he had to bypass your brain. <laughs> because you'll think you can do it all. I got it. I got it. You ever talk? That's what's wrong with a lot of Christians. You mentioned anything. They got the answer. I know this is what we do. This is what we do. And you're like, what? <laughs> there's many times people ask me, I'm like, I don't know. I need to pray. I gotta pray right now. And I'll pray in the Holy Spirit. And so, He, He provided a way that would go straight to your spirit and bypass your brain so that you could connect with Him spirit to spirit. Pure to pure. Like right now, sitting in here, if you've made Jesus your Lord, your spirit is 100% born again. I mean, it is alive in Christ. It is, it is, it is pure. It is incredible. God renewed you completely. But also sitting in here, you got this flesh nature. And it, sin and self try to get in the way. And it tries to take over. And this is where you need and I need, we need to be edified. We need our spirit to be edified so that our flesh, it doesn't get to take control. Our mind, our will and our emotions were led by spirit, not by flesh. And so he wants us to be able to, to continually do that. It says this also. In verse 15, so what shall I do? I love it. I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. It's not a either either or. It's a yes. I'm going to do this and then also I'm going to pray in this. I'm going to pray in my understanding. I'm also going to pray in the Holy Spirit. And in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, 
Jesus, uh, Paul's talking about the armor of God and he's talking about being built up. He's talking about being strong and he uses different defense weapons. He talks about the helmet of salvation. Nothing can come here. Nothing's going to be able to rob you away from God. He talks about the bless, the breastplate of righteousness where, hey, Jesus is our righteousness. He talks about the belt of truth where the word of God is our truth and we stand on it. Shot our feet with the gospel of peace where we have those where we're going with that. But there's also... There's these other, the shield of faith. Where, hey, a, the fiery darts in him, he can't get. But then he's got these weapons, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. We're going we to get him with the sword of spirit. And then he said that literally, and if, take the helmet of salvation, Ephesians 6, 17, 18. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. That we continually do this. It is a strengthening, it is an emboldening, and I, and I, I, I finished with this. In Jude one twenty. it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So you see, this is one where we have to be built up. He wants us strong. He wants us ready on all occasions. If you're like me, there's many times, many things come at me. What's happening in our society today? There is nobody that knows everything except for one. There's only one. There's people that have great insights and I'm listening and you're listening and we're learning. But there's only one that knows it all. We've got to stay connected in our ears, our eyes, our mind, our spirit has to stay connected. Father, build us up or do it. Okay, back to Acts chapter two real quick. We're gonna, we're gonna carry on because in a moment I want us, I want everybody. If you, if you already have that gift, I hope you're using it every day. I hope, and if you don't have that gift, this isn't a, this is, by the way, this isn't a, hey, cause there's others, there's a, there's a group too that says in the church, oh, oh, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Oh, you don't speak in the, we're almost like you're a second class citizen, like, oh, you don't, you, you don't do that. Oh, oh, well. And that's never, that should never be. That's what 1 Corinthians 13, that's why if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit, and 1 Corinthians 14, and right in between them, there's a love chapter. Like, like Paul's saying, you gotta have this gift, it's for you, it's gonna make an impact, it's gonna do it. And then right in there he goes, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a sounding gong or, or a clanging cymbal. So he's saying, you gotta have the love that operates to be able to do that. In Acts chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, after they had, they had heard this, the language had been spoken, it says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? The same question many people today are asking, what does this mean? And I'll tell you, if you don't, begin to lean into it, this is where you'll go, where the people of that day, literally, some of them were there, it says in verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. <laughs> they just drunk. Now, let me say this and that. That's where, that's where we got to be careful, where we don't go to the other way. You, yeah, I'm drunk. Woo! <laughs> when the Bible talks about being drunk, I want you to, can I put a word or plant something in your mind. It means inebriated. It means intoxicated. When it says drunk, they're not drunk on wine. They're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, it really means influenced. 
And so, oh, let me, let me, let me, let me go back right here. This word perplexed, I want to break that down for just a moment. Because it's deport, diaporio, and that means they, uh, to be entirely at a loss. Like, the church today, there are many that are totally at a loss for tongues. They're like, I don't understand it, I don't like it, therefore, it's not of God. It's done. I had a lady a few years ago, I was in the front office, and she stepped in the office, and it was a precious little old lady, and I, and she was just smiling, she goes, um, I was wondering, do you have anything, any literature on speaking in tongues? And I said, sure I do. And I went back to my office and I got a Bible. I said, here, I got this. And I said, why do you ask? And she goes, well, I'm taking a course at my church and we're doing a, and I'm doing a paper on it and I would like to do it. So I, I said, oh, you're doing a paper? This is the best one. This is the original. You, you don't, you can plagiarize this because you can just go ahead and put it all out there because God gave it to us. And so, so he, so she goes and so I started open, I opened it up. First Corinthians 14 and started reading it. She goes, what version is that? I said, it's the NIV. And I said, hold on just a second. Here is the King James. Thus saith unto thee. Uh, no. So I broke out the King James and she goes, what, what book is that? I said, first Corinthians chapter 14. She goes, is that a different Bible? I said, no, it's, it's one you got. Here, let me, you got one. What ended up happening as a result, because I was not mean to her, I did not, I, I saw a woman that was at a struggle at a crossroad, and as I shared with her, I said, hey, okay, so you said you're doing a term paper, what, do you want a quote, do you want to do this? And she goes, well, what happened is, my granddaughter came to your church, Ooh. and she is doing this, and it makes me very nervous. And I said, ma'am, I said, I assure you, we can't, we don't baptize people in the Spirit. The Spirit baptizes them in Himself. Like, we don't, we do lay hands, and we can believe with, but it's the Holy Spirit that gives utterance, not us. And so we, when I told her, I said, look, if I were you, I wouldn't mess with what God's doing in your granddaughter. If it's not of God, it will go away. If it's of God, you'll see her grow and flourish. You'll see her nurse and flourish in the Lord. And uh, I never saw her again, so I don't know. How, I can't tell you how that story ended. But we'll know when I get to heaven. I'll be like, whoa, did I do well? I don't know. Okay, so I want to look at right here in Acts 2, 14 and 15. And this is where, then Peter stood up with the 11, which by the way, <laughs> this is how you knew the Holy Spirit had come on him. Because the last time we see Peter interacting with the Holy Spirit is when they were in a room with Jesus on the 40th day when they're, they're, they're scared and Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he told them to go wait in Jerusalem. So the last time we saw Peter, he, he was, look, this is a man that was even afraid to tell a little girl that he even knew Jesus. And now after he's clothed with power, he's going, hey, he stands up. Peter stood up. And so I'll say this to you, when this, when the Holy Spirit must come, there's something on you inside that stands up. It's like, it's not that I'm better than, not that I'm standing up like I'm lording this over you. It's like, wow, I'm not afraid anymore. Like, wow, Lord, you're just that good. Lord, you want to use me. I can stand up and walk into the purpose of God with full boldness and full confidence, which is what we're supposed to do. And so it goes on. He stood up and addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not 
drunk as you suppose it is only nine in the morning. And I would say that is where the inebriation, that's where they're influenced by something other than wine. They're, they, okay. Anybody here ever seen somebody drunk? I, I, that's the best way I know how to say that without incriminating anybody, okay? I didn't, say, I didn't mention mirrors or anything, okay? <laughs> we all like, sure, maybe I've seen somebody a little intoxicated, a little inebriated, maybe even been me, maybe. I'll just say you were influenced by something outside that you took into yourself. I want to tell you something. Everybody that's ever been around somebody... That's why it's called a liquid enhancer. (laughs) It enhances whatever mood you have. Like if you're mean and you start drinking, you're going to punch somebody before the night's out. It's going to happen. You're just going to do it. If you're this kind of happy-go, that's your personality, happy-go-lucky, everybody's going to be your friend. You hey, 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 friend. You're going to be all over everybody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, let me say this to you. When you're inebriated, when the, the Holy Spirit, when you're influenced, there is a, it produces with it, it excites, it, it exhilarates something in like, in a good way, not in a, oh no, I don't know who or where I am. It's a way, oh, I know exactly who and where I am. I know exactly who's operating. And boy, does it feel good to be able to make a difference in somebody else's life. That's the inebriation. That's the influence that they were experienced. They weren't afraid sitting out there sharing the gospel and sharing the ministry. They're like, Woo, let me tell you about how good God is. So that's what it's supposed to do. That's what we're under the control of the Holy Spirit. We yield that to him. First um, Corinthians 14, one, we, we save that one to the end before I, I start winding this down. 14, one says what? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And this is where I want to encourage you. Maybe, maybe you've been pursuing some gifts and I want to challenge you. God would never give you something that would hurt you. It would never happen. If you ask, we're going to see that in just a moment. It won't happen. And so I want to challenge you that you want to get everything that God has. You don't want to be afraid of it. You you don't want to run from it. You want to run to it. Say, Lord, I want everything you have for me. I don't want to hold. I don't want you to hold anything back from me. I want it all. Amen. So what do we do real quickly? We uh, we remove first and foremost, we got to remove all barriers. We got to get rid of them. We've got to we've got to quit allowing tradition to nullify the word of God. Jesus even said he told his disciples, he told the Pharisees, your tradition will nullify what God says. And so what happens is I've heard that I've heard that I heard Jesus's first message. You've heard that you've heard that you've heard you've heard it said and heard and said you've heard an interpretation of an interpretation of interpretation. But I say and I want to challenge you, look. If you're not comfortable with this, that's fine. But I want to challenge you to be bold enough to walk out and say, I'm going to seek this out. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to shrink back. I'm going to say, Lord, I want to know more and I want all you have for me. So we got to remove all barriers. That's what Acts 2, 38 and 39. Peter, when they said, what shall we do with all this that we have? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, the promise is for you. You're going to get that gift. You're going to get that charisma. The promise is for you. And this, this is the scripture that says it never ceased. 
This right here is the one that says, it's for you and it's for your children. Oh, it's not going to die out with the apostles. It didn't end there. It says, no, it's for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. It's for, it's for everybody. He wants you to have it. The second thing is, remove barriers. The second thing is request the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus has already died for our sins. It's already, your, your debt's been paid. If you're in here this morning and you've never been born again, it's already, there's nothing more that needs to happen. All you need to do is receive it this morning. There's no good deeds you're going to do. There's nothing, nothing, all Jesus on his own, his merits alone, nothing that you or I could do could ever make up for what Jesus did. We can't do enough good things. Jesus himself does that. And so just like that, the same thing with the Holy Spirit, we have to ask. He's not going to force himself onto us just like when the day of Pentecost came. It says, if you then, this is where he says in, in Luke 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In that same scripture, he talks about which of your kids ask you for a stone, you'd uh, ask you for bread, we'd give him a stone. If asked him for a fish, he'd give you a, a snake or a scorpion. Who would do that? God would never do that. So you don't have, what he's saying is you don't have to worry about a counterfeit. God's not going to give you something or allow the, the, the enemy to come in and kind of, you know, kind of came in, I'm going to take over that. It's not going to happen. That's what he's trying to do by keeping fear and keeping fallacy alive with it. The third thing is receive the Holy Spirit by faith. The same thing you receive anything from God is by faith. In other words, God gives us the ability to choose. Like I can choose to either try to take care of my own sin and be good enough, or I can choose to say, Jesus, I trust you. I know on my best day, I can't get there on my own efforts, on my own ability. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. But Lord, what you did was full payment. I trust you. The same way with the Holy Spirit. It's not something that I got to be afraid of something. Lord, I I want all you got. And so... By faith, I receive that. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Like I said, this is for anybody that's sitting here this morning going, Mark, I hear you, but I'm just not sure. And by the way, you can absolutely walk this earth and be connected to Jesus with the Holy Spirit and can can live out your days knowing you're going to heaven without ever speaking in a tongue. That is not a prerequisite. I want to, that fallacy I mentioned, think that is a lie that you got to speak in tongues in order to get heaven. That is a lie. That's something you do, not something God did. And then the fourth and final thing is the beautiful, the beauty of this is we get to relate to the Holy Spirit daily. 2 Corinthians 13, 15 says, the grace of the Lord of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This fellowship, this friendship. And this morning, I can't help as pastor that God has done such a work in me. I can't help but but give you an opportunity. The same one someone gave me, the Happy Hunters gave me 34 years ago. This This good little Catholic boy you talk about, man, I'd sit, I, I, I better shut down. I, y'all, I, I can't help it. 
So, so my first introduction to the Holy Spirit was not really this church. When I came to, to this church, I came and I gave my life to the Lord. All I remember sitting in church the first time, I, or the second time, first time I came, I came high. And I was looking like, what are y'all doing, man? I was under the influence, not the good influence. But when I came back two years later and I was convicted, I was sitting there and I remember sitting in the service. I felt the Holy Spirit, but I felt the Holy Spirit where, where Jesus spoke in the, in the gospel of John. I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I just sat there like everything I'd ever done wrong. I'm like, I'm terrible. Everybody's sitting around uh, a man preaching, my mentor, Billy God. They're all laughing. I'm sitting there. You know, one of them ugly cries where people are like, what is wrong with him? Like, I don't know. I'm at church trying to get saved. I don't know. I'm messed up. I'm mixed up. I'm just trying to get this right. That was, that was my first, my, my first introduction to Holy Spirit. Y'all, I, I had, I had to live in a drug house I created. But I didn't want to stay there. So at night I looked, I didn't know these things. I didn't know the, in the Catholic Church we didn't do revivals. That wasn't a word we used. And so I, I found out people said revivals. And I was like, what's a revival? And so there was a, a, a church in Darien, Church of God, they were having this revival. I was like, oh, they're having a meeting. I want to go. I don't want to just sit here with these people being mad at me because I won't go get them drugged. I want to go. I want to pour into this. So I go. And that was my first baptism introduction to what the Holy Spirit. What an introduction it was. <laughs> I sat there. Y'all, the, the pastor, he was preaching. I mean, he was preaching. He, whoa. I was like, whoa. I never heard that. I got, whoa, what is going on? I was like, and I'm not, I'm not making fun. I'm just like, he was, whoa, just letting y'all know. And then he said, anybody need, Lord, you better come up. I was like, I'm coming up. Yeah, I'm coming up. And so I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I did it. I did what I was trained. I, I had, I had the posture. I'd been trained this way. This is how we kneel and pray. Okay, Lord, I'm ready. And they, somebody came and prayed for me. Nothing really happened that. All I remember is sitting there and I, at first I kept my eyes closed, but I was like, whoa, because there's people running and all. And I was like, whoa. And then this lady came and flopped right down beside me. And I was like, whoa, okay. Jesus, I want you. (laughs) I'll say this. Even in that moment, I wasn't sitting there going, oh, I was like, Wow. What's she going, what's going on with her? I really, in my own, in my own understanding, I thought she was being delivered. I didn't know. I just thought, just my own thought. But I say that to simply say this. When you're hungry for something, there's nothing going to keep you from it. And my challenge to you this morning, if you're watching online or here in this service this morning, I would be remiss to not offer you the greatest gift one of them, they're all great, but the one that's impacted my life the most because I get to do it every day. I get to relate to the Holy Spirit every day. I get to, I have for 34 years, and it's been an incredible journey where I just receive and I give and I receive. I don't, I don't have anything to give. I just got whatever He gives, that's what I get to give. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to ask you if you would bow your heads with me for just a moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all you've already done. Lord, if you never did one more thing for us, Lord, we couldn't even begin to thank you enough. Just by giving yourself, your all to us so that we could have all. You emptied heaven so that we could have it all, Lord. You became...
poor so we could become rich in faith, rich in love, rich in truth, rich in grace and mercy. And I thank you, Lord, this morning for these here in this house and those who are watching at their house. And I want to give everybody here, either watching online or here, if you've never made Jesus your Lord, if you've never surrendered your life and said, Lord, I didn't say go to church. If you've never said, Jesus, here, I give you my life. It's yours. Take it. I want you to have it. Today would be an incredible day to do that. Or maybe you did that a while back and you kind of just kind of, things got in the way. Decisions were made and you began to go a different way. Instead of saying, Lord, I want to run to you, I began to run, you began to run from him. And this is a great day to say, Lord, I'm tired of running, man. I want what you have for me. I don't want to experience. I've made a mess of things. This would be a great day to do that. And if you're either one of those, either you've never done that or you've done it a while ago and you feel very far and distant from him, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. This is between you and the Lord. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. Just lift your hand wherever you are. If you're watching my watching online, just lift, say, Lord, yeah, you. that's me. Lord, I need you. Yeah? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I need you. Lord, I give my life. Lord, here, I give it to you. Let's do this. Everybody, let's pray. Father God, I recognize my need for you. I'm a sinner. I've done things and said things that displease you and dishonor me. But Lord, I choose this morning as an act of my will to give you my life because you first gave me your life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. And I receive your truth. Be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord God. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. If you made that choice, according to the Word of God, Jesus said, anybody that comes to me, he would never cast you out. According to him, when you gave him your life, he gave you his life. His Holy Spirit said, I see that. I love it. The second thing, I'm going to pray over you and pray for you, and I'm going to bless you. But we're going to take a few moments after everybody, you, you need to ease on, but we're going to take a moment, and I want those that want, we're going to be up here to pray for those who would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that, that, that we want you, I want you personally to experience the joy, the awesome, like I get to, to speak in a language I didn't learn. Wow. And God gives it to me. It's not something I make up. It's something he just gives and I get to operate in that. It's a beautiful thing. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And we'll have people up here that will pray with you and pray for you. Also, if you have any sickness in your body, we believe in anointing with oil. We'll be here to do that. But if you would stand up with me this time, open your hands to the Lord, receive from him. I'm reminded of Acts 4.31 where it says they were all praying and the Holy Spirit filled them again. It was a second outpouring. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was a continual. So, Lord, I thank you right now for your people here. And those online, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to fill this place right now. We ask you to fill not just this place, but every heart, every life. Lord, I thank you right now for blessing your people with your breath of fresh air, Lord. You're anointing, you're, you're, you're infilling, and you're overflowing, Lord. I thank you right now. You're outpouring on your people in Jesus' mighty name. And I say to each one of you, 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of His countenance on you and give you His peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord.